The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to Passion. This is a show all about love, sex, and relationships. If it's the first time you're tuning in, that's what we do. And on every Tuesday, I simply answer all of your questions about sex, love, and relationships. So if you uh, have an issue you want to talk out or a specific question, please feel free to contact me, 514-800 to text into the show. You can call in at 514-790-0800. And lots of people send me emails as well, laurie at drlaurie.com. So, and I read, uh, I check my emails and read them throughout the week's show. So at the beginning of every, uh, every show. So I got a few here, uh, some left over on the text board from last night that I want to get to first and foremost. Uh, so one texter writes, it is interesting that some women don't have sex with their husbands and attached men are mostly what I attract. They complain about the woman and are frustrated because I am single and very sexual and they try hard to engage with me sexually. I don't understand why they choose women with low sex drives and spend money on them when there are single women who are sexually interesting, don't ask for things, yet they want to cheat with single women. I'm beginning to think that having a sugar daddy is the way to go for a single woman to get nice treatment since if you are overly sexual, dress sexy, you are not considered marriage material. This is a bit of a skewed version, I think, of um, uh, of the situation of most couples. And I get, I think you were responding to somebody who had written in whose partner was no longer interested in sex. You, you're, you're talking as if somehow men with high sex drives choose women with low sex drives, but you fail to understand the, the um, evolution of a long-term relationships. So at the beginning of relationships, usually both people have very similar drives, which are on the high end. As the relationship evolves into a long-term relationship, so anywhere from like 18 months onwards or so, there is a difference. And, um, and again, it's not all women, not all men, but I'm going to talk about in terms of the majority. Uh, I would say that for a lot of women in long-term relationships, their desire takes a, a dip, but it's not that they don't aren't interested in sex. It's that their spontaneous desire for sex uh, may have uh, just gone out the window. But that doesn't mean that when they have sex, they don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean that they, uh, they're not satisfied. It's just that they are now more responsive in their desire than spontaneous. And why does that change? Oftentimes, life gets in the way and women especially, again, not all women, but a lot of women have a hard time separating all those things, like the details in the brain and all this stuff. They don't compartmentalize as well as men can, although some men also have that issue again. Um, 
so this is very real and being able to relax enough, let go enough, all of that gets more complicated later on in relationships. When you're living together, you have a family, you've got obligations, you, all of that stuff. When you're dating, you are dating for fun. It's like you get together. Every time you get together, you're doing something fun. There's an expectation of sex, or at least you, the, the desire is there, but usually it's because there's nothing else going on. Um, and this is no, like, this is a natural progression. If we understand how desire works, if we understand what the needs are of each individual, maybe those women are needing something else. Maybe they need more affection, more help, more this, more that, some th other things that they are looking for from their partner that will then make them feel warmer towards their partner and, and more open to, um, to being sexual, even if their spontaneous desire is not there. Uh, whereas men's desire tends to be more stable over time. Again, about 25% of men are, are, uh, I would describe as how I just described women in relationships because some men also have lower sex drives. And again, doesn't mean you're abnormal. Um, but you have to understand the evolution of a relationship and all the factors that go into, um, uh, into sex drive and affecting one's willingness, openness, uh, to be uh, sexual. There are so many factors that, that can play into it, that it's just the way you described it is, is just too simplistic. It's really, it's, it's just not about choosing wrong, for example. Um, someone says, so men are supposed to ditch a woman whose sex drive drops. Human beings change over the years. Exactly. That's exactly right. Human beings change over the years in the law, in long-term relationships, sex is not the primary keeper or, or stabilizer of relationships. Of course, sex is good in a relationship. It connects you, etc. But if you don't have all the other ingredients, uh, that's not going to help you. So you need to have the feeling of being loved, the feeling of, of being desired outside of the bedroom, the affection, the warmth outside of the bedroom, not always leading to, uh, some kind of, uh, sexual activity. Later on, I'm going to read you a letter from a, a woman that really uh, touched me because it's, I think it, her suffering is very common, um, and I'll let you weigh in on that too. I'll share that with you soon. Let me just get to a couple of, uh, a couple more, uh, messages here. Uh, is it safe for a woman to use an anal dildo vaginally and to share the dildo with a male partner if a condom is used on it? So you can use anything, well, anything, a, a sex toy vaginally. It's just the, the anal dildos are shaped a certain way, but if that if that, um, shape works for you, that's fine. Uh, sharing, you cannot share a dildo with someone who's put it in their butt and then you want to put it in your, uh, vagina. That's not going to work unless you must absolutely change the condom from, from one hole to the next. Uh, so you can go from vagina to anus, but you can't go from anus to vagina because of all the uh, the bacteria that's there. So, and then cause real infection. So you have to be super, super careful not to go from, uh, one end to, uh, to the other. 
Uh, how can I make my wife's breast more firm? Because this makes me most aroused. Well, good luck to you. Uh, you can't make breasts more firm as you get older. Uh, well, they, they do t- gravity takes a toll. And uh, besides breast implants, uh, I really uh, don't know how to make breasts uh, more firm. And most women, that's just the way it is. That's why bras are invented. Good solid bras to perk them up if if need be. So I'm not sure I can help you on that one. Uh, so coming up, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a question on herpes and this one question from a married woman that uh, touched me uh, very much. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. So I'll share that with you. Relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays now in the program. I answer uh, your questions uh, tonight about sex, love, and relationships. So somebody uh, texted in. There was someone who wrote in, how can I make my wife's breasts more firm? Because this makes me most aroused. Uh, this texture writes, I think losing weight and push-ups and bench presses confirm the pectorals, which help make the breasts firmer. The bigger they are, the further they droop. Very true. I'm in my 30s and have this problem and miss my firm B-cuffs that I used to dislike. Yeah, but that happens. You can build your pec muscles and that can get bigger, but you, there's still skin, unfortunately. Uh, and as you, you, you just lose the firmness of uh, your whole body loses firmness as you uh, get older. But if you have big breasts, that's, uh, yes, they become more, uh, more pendulous as you get older, simply from gravity and age. So the only way to do anything is to, uh, to really, I believe have surgery, but again, I'm not a plastic surgeon or doctor or, uh, a specialist in muscle building or breast building, but I don't know. I, I haven't met any woman who has been able to firm their breasts naturally, put it this way. Otherwise, if there was a formula out there, I'm sure we'd all be jumping for it, especially women in my age category. All right, I got this uh, this email I want to share with you. It's a little long, but uh, I think you'll find this story a little compelling. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 27 years, and until a few years ago, I was the driving force in the bedroom. Unfortunately, I'm now going through menopause and no longer have any interest in sex. Dryness is not a problem. I just don't have any interest, and when we do have intercourse, I rarely can orgasm, and those are very friction-driven and rather unsatisfying. This is the the kicker here. I'm sure the leading factor is I no longer feel that my partner is attracted to me. I guess before I would take what I wanted and didn't really stop to wonder if he thought me still pretty, but now I just feel old and very shy. I also discovered a few years back that he likes to look at pictures of naked young women on his phone, and I feel like it has changed his taste considerably. How can I compete with a photoshopped 20-year-old? He tells me if I work out enough, I won't look so saggy. I'm so embarrassed now to have him look at me naked, and I don't know how we will ever find a healthy sex life together again. I try to work out every day because I don't want to be embarrassed, but all the workouts in the world cannot take 30 years away. 
We have had many discussions on this subject, but I don't think he is being completely open and honest with me about his sexual interests or needs. And in truth, I feel like he is feeling criticism and takes offense instead of listening to my feelings and sharing how he truly feels. After one of our talks, he usually puts effort in, but it feels so forced and unnatural. I feel like I don't know him very well anymore, and this effort being so out of character just makes me feel all the more shy and reserved. I recently lost some weight that I've been holding on to for the last 20 years. At first, my husband acted very excited about it and seemed to be interested in me, but it didn't last very long. I think maybe I... I decided I didn't want to have a boob job he wanted me to get. You see, I found out you lose your nipple sensation and I was afraid of losing the one thing that I still get stimulated by. It was like a light went off with him though. So I'm assuming he was dreaming of the day when I might have perky boobs like the girls he looks at on his phone. I love my husband, but I want more than just a life companion. I want a mate that wants me, even with my 52-year-old body. I want to see that in his eyes when he looks at me. Something I can't remember the last time I saw. This is this really is painful. Is that unrealistic at my age? Can a man find a 52-year-old woman attractive? When I look in the mirror, I think I still look beautiful, at least with clothes on, but I don't feel like he even notices me anymore unless we are out with a group, as he seems to like to show affection when we are in public, but once we are alone, not so much. I try very hard to give him compliments on a regular basis and tell him how good-looking he is to me, even though he denies it and says he doesn't believe me. Yet I know he likes to look good when he goes to his office and enjoys the ladies that flirt with him there. Maybe if I had other men in my life that flirted with me, it wouldn't matter so much. But frankly, there's only one man I want, but I just don't feel like he's interested in me. Any advice would be uh, greatly appreciated. I have to say, this husband sounds a bit like an ass um, and, and quite shallow. Imagine if we all felt like, imagine if attraction was only skin deep and it was only like, we had to be perfect bodies. We had to have perky everything throughout our life with one person. Let's say we're in a monogamous long-term relationship. We age, we change, our bodies change. Attraction has got to be more than just the physical um, appearance of somebody like you're two people aging at the same time. Uh, okay. Granted women too, older women can look at young bodies and say, wow, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to find their partners less attractive. They're attracted to their partner for different things than simply their, uh, physical appearance. Otherwise we'd all be divorced by 50, really, because our bodies change. This is natural, absolutely natural. And one texter writes, he sounds like a narcissist. Uh, maybe so. I think it would be good for you. Um, good for you to go and speak to a therapist here. This texter says the biggest thing that the emailer should lose is the jerk. Donald Trump bullied his wives into getting breast implants, and I'm sure they will droop if they are not redone every couple of years. So not worth it, in my opinion. Another texter writes, wow, insecure much? Another one said, I would rather uh, a divorce than to be lied to and him to go behind my back and be betrayed. As many men go outside the relationship when they don't have their needs met. 
listen, meeting sexual needs and have maintaining a sexual relationship is there. These are two different things. A woman who feels like she does to expect her to be free in her sexuality, to be open, to be sexual and to enjoy it. She can't have all of this hanging over her head, thinking that her husband is, uh, doesn't find her attractive. She doesn't even want to get naked. Like all of these things impact a, a woman's interest in sex. And yet she wants to want to, but how is she going to want to when she's carrying all of this burden of what she, of what her husband is saying to her? and comparing and, and upset that her breasts are sagging and wants her to have a, a boob job and she doesn't want one. Like, think about this. Um, wow. Another texter, a male wrote, Dr. Lori, the email broke my heart. It did the same to me. Like I read it. I was really, really, really sad for, uh, for this woman. And, um, anyway, I hope that you, you seek out therapy for yourself. You deserve better treatment than that. And at least let's figure out what the heck's the problem in all of this, like where, um, and if he really is, uh, a narcissist and selfish and only looking out for his own needs and, and has no empathy or compassion for you, maybe you should think about moving on. And look at the reality of the situation. So let's see if he's willing also to go into, uh, into marriage uh, counseling. Oh, the man, the comment about the man going outside the marriage isn't for the email. It was in reference to, uh, the first text, which was, uh, oh, about, um, right. About men, uh, wanting or choosing women with low desire or why they choose women. Uh, yeah, well, again, so yeah, that broke my heart too. If you have any thoughts and you want to share them with, uh, the person who emailed, please do. So I, I reached out to her separately. Like it really did break my heart to direct her into the right, uh, to find a therapist and, and all of that, because it's just, it's very sad. Now you could see the suffering in, in all of that over that. <laughs> I'm a single man, mid fifties. She sounds awesome. <laughs> Give her my number. Another texter says this man does not love her. Well, that's certainly, uh, she certainly doesn't feel loved that much. You can be sure of, she does not feel loved by her husband and certainly not, uh, desired. So uh, yeah, uh, quite sad. All right. Another email last night, you were talking about sexually transmitted infections. Did you say if a man gives oral sex to a woman with herpes, he will get it in the mouth or everywhere. So the way it works is this, you have two kinds of herpes. You can have the oral herpes, which are on your, on your lips, which are, we are, are commonly known as cold sores. Lots and lots of people have them. You can get them from kissing someone who also has cold sores. Um, and then there's the genital cold sores. If a person has a cold sore on their mouth and performs oral sex, whether it's uh, cunnilingus or fellatio, then they could pass that on to the genitals. It's a skin to skin contact, uh, uh STI. That's how it's, uh, contracted 
through skin to skin. So if, uh, if you're giving oral sex to a woman who has an open sore or close to it, um, then yes, you will get herpes on your mouth, skin to skin or wherever else on your body. As our guest was explaining, you can actually get herpes sores in other places, but most often they would be uh, in the genital um, area. So you knowing if someone is, has, is herpes positive or at least making sure that there are no open sores. Although sometimes it's hard to tell because you can be asymptomatic and still pass it on, which is why it's such a difficult, um, STI to control because you can't, uh, condoms just, um, don't do it, unfortunately. Uh, coming up, uh, more uh, questions, uh, questions about dr- vaginal dryness, questions about desire, questions about premature ejaculation, lots of stuff coming up. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. A couple of texts tonight in response to some questions. Uh, this one from Just Drew said, but the herpes that you transmit from your face to the vagina does not turn into uh, genital herpes. You're right. There's HSV one and HSV two, the oral herpes is HSV one, which you can have on your genitals. So it's a different strain, but nonetheless will still cause uh, blisters. And just so you know, about 50% of the population has oral herpes. So it's very, uh, very, very, very common. Uh, and it's common in children. And that's just from kissing uh, a friend or relative on the lips and what have you. So we're talking about a, a, a very common uh, virus that lives in many, many, many people. Um, so obviously you just have to be careful that if you have an HSV-1, which is on the on your lips, that you do not perform oral sex. Otherwise the, other, the recipient will have HSV-1 on the genitals. Uh, so it'll still be a form of herpes, just a different uh, strain, but the, the symptoms will look the same. Uh, and just another person says, what kind of jerk would look at young women on his phone in front of his wife? Yeah, that, that husband sounded like a, a jerk all around, really. There were a lot of things in that email that were like, whoa. Um, yeah, that partner uh, had some issues there. All right, let me answer this question. Is it possible to have one or two sexual encounters with a same-sex partner or certain fantasies yet still be a straight person? So what we know about sexual orientation is that it runs on a continuum. We used to see it as you're either straight or gay or straight down the middle bisexual. But now we know that there is a long continuum on, on sexual orientation. There are certain factors we look at in terms of whether you're straight, gay, or bisexual, pansexual, or any of those things. How you identify, so do you identify as a straight person? Do you identify as a bisexual person or a gay person or pansexual person? Who you have sex with, who you fantasize about, and who you fall in love with. These are all factors that go into determining um, 
orientation. So you could be bi-curious, meaning that you've had a couple of encounters because you're curious as to what it is, but still identify as straight. So that's another word we use, which is bi-curious. Lots of people can still have uh, fantasies, same-sex fantasies, without being uh, without acting out on them, for example, or without identifying as gay or, uh, or bisexual. But that would mean if you had, uh, let's say gay fantasies, you wouldn't be on the, on the far, far, far end of the straight spectrum. doesn't mean you don't, you're not straight, but you're not, let's say completely on that side of the spectrum. So you have to look at it that way, that, uh, that continuum. Let me know if that makes sense to you, or if you need more clarification, I'm happy to do that. Uh, again, in response to our, uh, email, let's call it our email of the night tonight. Um, actually it sounds like the woman's dissatisfied husband is rather immature and has unrealistic, not to mention very superficial expectations about love, attraction, and relationships. And if he unfortunately experienced some sort of adolescent arrested development pertaining to his maturity level, that most definitely isn't a reflection upon her, especially considering the fact that she sounds quite grounded, cooperative, and mature. So perhaps she should consider being more respectful and fair to herself thereby finding a mature and compatible mate to compliment her rather than awaiting for her husband to grow up. Uh, very, uh, very well said. Uh, you're right. I, I, I don't know if it's uh, anything to do with his adolescence, but the definitely unrealistic expectations, um, definitely shallow, etc. So there's, uh, there's a problem there. And maybe with the help of a therapist, she will be able to see things in a different light too. Um, all right. What's the normal amount of times to have sex in a week if you've been married over 30 years? Can anyone really answer that question? What is the normal amount of times? There is no normal. That's the, the bottom line is there's no normal when it comes to frequency. Every couple creates their own norm, whatever works for them. And that norm can change throughout a lifespan. If a couple is together 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, like you're not, it's not going to be the same as it was in year one, as it's going to be in year 20 or year 30. Lots of factors go into that, including aging changes, including stress, other medical issues, medication. I mean, there's many, many, many things, many factors that go into it. The important thing is that, are you both on the same page? Does it work for both of you? Are, let's say you're having sex, uh, once a month, are you both okay with that? Do you, is, is one person frustrated or uh, pushing or pressuring to have more sexual activity? Is there other things in your relationship that offer you intimacy? So sex isn't just about having intercourse. It's also about touch and uh, touch is another form of sexuality. Are you touching? Are you kissing? Are you caressing? Are you, um, cuddling? Are you doing all these other things that are also part of uh, one sexuality, especially as you get older, because as you get older, sometimes your functioning can change. And it doesn't mean that sexuality has to stop, but we have to learn to look at sexuality in a much wider, with a much wider definition 
these days you hear the word sex, we think intercourse, but that isn't what sex is about. We have to look at a much larger way of looking at uh, human sexuality. That's far more than just genitals. Um, and as you get older, that is far more important. So, um, I learned a lot when I wrote my book, uh, the sex Bible for people over 50, having worked with a lot of uh, people in their fifties, post fifties, even in their eighties and looking at people's sexuality and doing the research for the book. Um, I found there's a lot of information there that doesn't get, uh, like we don't learn about this stuff, right? It's like sex education for young people. Well, what about sex education for people getting older? We need that too. We need to be able to talk about aging and sexuality. We need to talk about expectations as we get older when it comes to uh, sexuality and the changes that happen. There's changes, whether it's in our life, whether it's in our bodies, all of that are all part of a normal, uh, normal sexuality. Uh, how common is, is it for a couple to have an orgasm at the same time? So we're talking about simultaneous orgasms. A lot of people put pressure on themselves to, uh, come together, to climax together as if that is the uh, be all and end all. And that, that, that should be the goal. But when you focus too much on that, you kind of lose this, you can lose your sense of your own body and all of that, because now you're worried about having to orgasm at the same time. Uh, some couples do other couples don't. It uh, can take, uh, for women, for example, they would, they might have orgasms through, um, oral sex, manual stimulation. So during the foreplay period is where they'll have their orgasms and they might or might not with intercourse. So when you're talking about simultaneous orgasm, you're talking about it mostly when people refer to this during intercourse, but what happens to the 70% plus of women who don't orgasm through intercourse looking for that? Let's come, let's come together. Um, well, are they going to feel inadequate if they don't? And you wonder why a lot of women fake orgasms oftentimes to satisfy this, this, uh, um, this belief or that, that they should like that. This is the best kind of sex that they should be climaxing at the same time. And of course that's just silly. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it's nice when it happens, but there's no, it's not a, a question of norm, norm, normalcy in, in all of this. Um, so for some people it happens for others, it doesn't don't go looking for it. Not that important in the long run. Enjoy the journey, uh, and you can still have very satisfying sex without having an orgasm, uh, simultaneously. Coming up, I want to answer a question about somebody who is uh, asking who's on, uh, birth control pills and also stimulation, uh, female stimulation, which is a good follow-up to this last question. So that's coming up. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. 
Trouble Tuesdays, you still have a little bit of time to get your uh, questions in tonight. 514-800 to text in. Uh, I'm a single straight female and occasionally I masturbate. What's not good is sometimes I'll cry after. How would you explain that? I've been through some saddening breakups. Is this the only reason? Because of the crying, I'll avoid masturbating. It's actually, it's a crying that isn't necessarily uh, related to a specific sadness or a breakup. It's a release of emotion. So when you completely let go, a lot of women, by the way, uh, will talk about uh, crying with an orgasm. Uh, And it's it's a question of an orgasm involves completely letting go and sometimes your emotions let go at the same time. It kind of opens a floodgate uh, because you've kind of just opened yourself up. There's a vulnerability to that letting go. So uh, it's not surprising. It's pretty common. I, I, I mean, it happens to a lot of people, um, but I don't think it's related to past sad uh, breakups, at least not what I know of that. Uh, Dr. Laurie, is it true that a woman performing oral sex can in fact get oral cancer? So when you look, when we look at, um, throat cancer, so we're talking really about throat cancer here, uh, there is a link with oral sex and it's related to the human papillomavirus, the, uh, HPV virus. It's not that oral sex directly causes throat cancer, but it can spread uh, the human papillomavirus. And what it does, the HPV can cause precancerous changes in cells that may lead to the throat cancer later on, just like it can uh, cause precancerous changes in cells in the cervix that may lead to cervical cancer later on if they are not uh, treated and and found. About 35% of cancers are infected with HPV. And if you smoke or you drink alcohol, that actually increases the risk that an HPV infection uh, will become cancerous. So um, remember, it's spread through skin to skin, um, contact. So if you are, uh, performing oral sex, I know I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, most people do not do this, but you should, if you want to keep yourself completely safe is to have a barrier method. So if you're performing oral sex, uh, on a man, let him uh, wear a condom. If you're performing oral sex on a woman, then use a, uh, a dental dam or some other kind of barrier method. Um, to protect yourself is what you really should do. Um, I'm a 49 year old guy. Can a vasectomy be, uh, reversed? Uh, okay. Vasectomies can be reversed, but there, there's no guarantee that it will work. The longer you've been vasectomized, the less chance of the reversal working. And I think there's, um, if I remember correctly, it's like, I don't know if it's after five years that it becomes much less likely to be reversible. If within a year or two, uh, it's probably a good chance of it being reversed. Um, but not if you've been reversed for, um, or if you've had a vasectomy many years, uh, before that. 
a great question on, uh, well, this is related to, to oral sex and protecting yourself on a woman. What kind of safe sex rules should lesbians uh, follow? And this, there's a couple of things here. So eight, the human papillomavirus, like and herpes, are transmitted through skin-to-skin contact, which is very difficult to protect yourself from even with condoms or what have you uh, because it's there's other it's not just your genitals there's this other skin exposed skin right you would like we said yesterday you'd need like a a latex bodysuit basically to protect yourself completely so you need to understand that first of all which is why for women very important to get pap tests uh, regularly, etc. So for performing oral sex though, using a barrier method and the easiest thing you can do is you get a condom, a very, very thin condom that is non-lubricated. So it doesn't have anything, um, no added, uh, chemicals, uh, and you cut it up the side, like you just uh, cut it lengthwise and you spread it on the genitals and perform oral sex through this barrier method. That is the best way to protect yourself from sexually transmitted infections, whether you're two women together, whether you're a heterosexual couple. Uh, so that's how you, um, you protect yourself. Um, I'm a 40 year old single guy and I'd like to explore the swinging lifestyle for fun. What are some of the pros and cons? And do you recommend any places in Montreal, uh, to start with? So, uh, to explore the swinging lifestyle as a single guy it's difficult to go into a swingers club. There are swingers clubs in Montreal. The one I can think of is Club L'Orage, for example. But they don't often uh, allow uh, single men to just go. Otherwise, all single men would just go to these clubs to get sex, right, with, with other other swingers. So I, don't, I know there's rules there. I, I'm not 100% sure how... Um, how it works. Uh, the, it's not about pros and cons. It's how, whatever lifestyle you choose. So if this is your lifestyle and you want to meet other like-minded people, or maybe you want a relationship with someone who is also a swinger or or non-monogamous, but you, um, want to engage in a relationship where you're, you're both romantically attached, but you, uh, have an agreement to consensual non-monogamy, you'd have to go into the swinger community to find that there are, um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, Yes, there's a couple that, that started a website. You could look this up. It's called The Sexy Lifestyle. And I think it has a lot of resources there and events you can go to. You can go also to uh, vacation resorts that are open there to for, for people who are into the lifestyle. It just might be a little more difficult as a single guy, single women, no problem. Single guy, a little more problem, problematic. So, um, you'd have to find out if it would be all right for, for you to go. Of course, you can go to these resorts and then, and, and see, um, or find out which parties, uh, are available. 
Do I have time for another question? Uh, let's see. So here's one that's so common, right? Uh, I've never had an orgasm during intercourse. Is that normal? So just quickly, again, uh, repeating myself, I know, but uh, only about 25 to yeah, about around 25%, 29% of women uh, report having consistent orgasms during intercourse. But that's over 70% of women who either never have an orgasm during intercourse or only uh, occasionally or uh, sometimes. And again, women need the direct clitoral stimulation during that intercourse to be able to achieve uh, orgasm. So, um, plenty, plenty of people just can't and will never be able to, they just can't. And this is just the way it is. It's the way we are made physiologically. Um, but what you can do is, um, have, make sure you have that clitoral orgasm before intercourse. So that helps and also vary your positions so that there's more pressure on the clitoris at the same time as you're having intercourse. You can also use a sex toy at the same time. You can also, um, uh, stimulate your own clitoris at the same time or have your partner do it. So including that body part in your, uh, in your intercourse is probably a really good idea. All right, that's it for me. I'll be back in the chair again tomorrow evening, 10 to 11. Hope you'll tune in. Uh, thank you for spending your hour with me here tonight. Uh, thanks to uh, Brian Kalisar, our technical producer. If you want to connect with me on social media, please do at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O is how you spell my last name, or just go straight to the website, drlori.com, where you will find some of the podcasts of previous shows as well. Uh, coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion. So go spread it, little dinner, sir.